0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. Spend my dollar. It's not about what you want, it's about what you're willing to do to get it. Run it again. Hello and welcome. I'm not going to, so quit asking. When you give me a hard time. For the listeners that didn't get to go. This is the payback.
1: Alabama wins! What you did last year really doesn't matter.
0: Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play. All right. Hi. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. And folks, have we got a treat for you. We have Ryan with Texas Talk Podcast. And uh, we spent a good, I don't know, 30 minutes previewing the upcoming Alabama-Texas game. Uh, We learn a mighty lot about Texas, uh, their team, their roster, and uh, identify some uh, really interesting matchups for the game. Ryan is a great dude, and it is a phenomenal conversation, and uh, we know that you'll enjoy. On to the interview. Go. And welcome back, podcast fans. Have we got a treat for you. We have Ryan with Texas Talk Podcast. Ryan, thanks for joining us tonight.
1: Man, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Fantastic. You know, this is uh, not that we needed any more hype, right? But uh, an opportunity (laughs) to talk a little Texas and Alabama. You can't beat that, right?
1: Absolutely. You know what? The AP vote came out. I'm shocked that they didn't squeak Texas into the top 10 just to kind of sell this game even more than they already can. But absolutely going to be in awesome game.
0: It's going to be a lot of fun. Let me, uh, let me jump in and and sort of give us, uh, give us a primer a little bit on, on Texas. Uh, You know, Alabama fans have a unique uh, relationship with uh, Sark, uh, you know, the head coach entering year three at Texas. What's the fan base? What's the Texas fan base? Think about Sark uh, at, at this point in his tenure there.
1: Well, I mean, as you may have come to find out Texas fans have really short patience nowadays. I mean, it has gone downhill since the Mac Brown era and even a little bit while he was still there. But so right now for Steve Sarkeesian, I feel like it's such a make or break season for for him. I mean, Texas has undoubtedly the most talented team in the Big 12. This is Sark's third year coming in, so it's a lot, and if not all of his guys are in the program right now. The culture is there. It's kind of just all about winning the Big 12 and being competitive. I think if they make a Big 12 championship, Texas fans will be completely on board with Sark heading into the SEC. We kind of like how he's building this team, starting in the trenches. Adding in some weapons like Ad Mitchell in the transfer portal and Isaiah Nair the year before that, so his team building i I feel like is is really popular with Texas fans, and I feel like just the consensus of all media just really like the way Steve Sarkeesian is, is building this team. But he hasn't shown it on the field yet. Last year was pretty solid, eight wins, but there was a lot of close game losses. Steve Sarkeesian needs to fix that. We need to win. Nine, ten games compete for a Big Twelve championship. Anything above that, I think, is just gravy. And um, so, I feel like this Alabama game is going to be a huge measuring stick for Steve Sarkeesian and this Texas team in in general.
0: Now, uh, I I, th- I think that's exactly right, and Alabama fans are looking at this game as, as certainly a a measuring stick opportunity as well. Uh, you know, talk about Texas fans, how mad are they at Joe Tessitore? You know, it was seven years ago yesterday where he infamously or famously said, Texas is back, folks. How does does that resonate across the, the Texas fan base these years later? Yeah,
1: you know what? I mean, it's tough. It's really tough. And Sam Allinger didn't do any favors as well with that infamous after the Sugar Bowl game where he just yells, I'm back after beating Georgia in that game. But overall, I think Texas fans just want Texas to be good again just to stop with the with the we're back jokes honestly right, I think right. that is the biggest uh plus to Texas actually being good again
0: nice nice talk about uh talk about Quinn yours uh I think it's a lot more than just a haircut I he, from a distance he seems that he's really mature talk about uh Quinn a little bit and what he brings to the table
1: yeah absolutely and I kind of did a small thread on it on my Twitter as well but Quinn Ewers is kind of a guy who right now I kind of compare him to a less uh less accurate Mac Jones at Alabama right now he is very much comfortable inside of that offense RPO heavy lean on the run game a little bit um he can he can he can beat you in the mid-range game as well but where he really struggles, and this doesn't compare to Mac Jones as much as for Alabama fans, but his deep accuracy is really, really struggling right now. He's the good news is he's missing short, which, in my opinion, gives the receiver some kind of uh, play to work back to the ball and actually make a play on the ball. Whereas if you miss guys deep, there's just no play to yeah. be had. Um, so he's missing short, which does open you up for interceptions as well, but he hasn't had that problem. Um, and it also opens up for defensive pla- pass interference, which yep. you know, um refs absolutely love to call. They didn't call it much last week, but that's just a place where Quinn needs to kind of develop more. Um, I would say the only other spot where Ewers needs to to develop is inside the pocket and kind of navigating that pocket. There's a couple times a game where it's a completely clean pocket and he just feels pressure that isn't there. The infamous Sam Darnold, he's seeing ghosts. I feel like you can kind of relate that to Quinn Ewers at points in a game. Other times he's just completely nails, you know, that five-star perfect prospect that everybody saw in high school. He is that at times, but it's really the consistency and You mentioned maturity. It's definitely better from last year, but he needs to continue that maturity growth to really kind of unlock what Texas can be this year, in my opinion.
0: Uh, Give us a, give us a thumbnail on uh, Malik Murphy, uh, the number two quarterback.
1: Honestly, (laughs) the number two quarterback at Texas is always the most popular guy. (laughs) And I feel like that is Malik Murphy right now. He just flashed so, uh, so well in the spring game. He flashed a little bit in game one as well against Rice. Um, if I had to put my money in it, I'd say that this quarterback room is 10 times better than Texas's quarterback room heading into Alabama last year. Okay. You got more mature Quinn yours. And even though Hudson Card had more starting experience than Malik Murphy coming in, I think Malik Murphy might, might just be better than Hudson Card straight up. And obviously, you know, uh, we have to have a stacked quarterback room because when, when yours went down, the Texas offense yep. kind of took a fall with it in that Alabama game and in games following, we lose to uh Texas tech in overtime with Hudson Card as the starter as well last year. So a guy like Malik Murphy, I have a lot more confidence that Texas is not an injury away from, you know, being an eight and four team. Again, I feel like they could still win nine, 10 or more games if Malik Murphy does have to come in relief for it when yours.
0: You know, we've played uh, the last couple of times we've played Texas, you know, you guys did unfortunately have to, you know, go to a backup quarterback. So it's a legit question going into this game, but I also have to ask about the backup quarterback so I can ask about the third string quarterback. (laughs) You can't just skip the two guy. Right. So, uh, you know, Arch Manning, all world recruit, uh, you know, he's, he's number three was that sort of the plan all all along there's probably some fans that might be surprised that 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 he's not starting you know again from a remove but uh what what sort of uh the development what's the inside skinny so far on uh on Arch
1: Yeah so I feel like from the outside looking in everybody thought that Arch Manning was going to be the number 2 quarterback heading into the season even maybe even competing with Quinn Ewers to be the number 1 but you know as kind of somebody who follows the program as closely as as I do. And I feel like a lot of people that follow Texas kind of knew that Malik Murphy was going to give Arch Manning a tough time to get that quarterback two job. And in the spring game, I mean, Arch Manning is now should still be in high school. He did not perform all that well in that spring game. He looked like the game was going a million miles per hour. He was not caught up, but in fall um, it was reports that, you know, the quarterback two job was still kind of up in the air and Arch Manning kind of battled his way back into that competition, um, which is, you know, great news that we could potentially be three deep at the quarterback room um, knowing how I just kind of wax poetic against, or with Malik Murphy, if Arch Manning's pushing him in any way to be the backup, I think it's a really good sign for Arch Manning, but to be completely honest, I think things would have to go really wrong for Arch Manning to burn up that red shirt yes. uh, season. So I do feel like it's still going to be a red shirt year for Arch. And if it's not, I feel like something went wrong at Texas, either injuries, multiple injuries, or Murphy isn't as good as as we all think that he could be with a full workload. Either way, I do think that Arch Manning will be a red shirt. But it's going to be interesting heading into next spring with Quinn Ewer's most likely gone, but we'll see. And then Murphy and Arch, whoever loses that battle, you assume in their transfer portal era, one of them's beaten. so it'll yeah. be interesting to watch.
0: No, I agree. I agree. Let's talk about uh, you know, another player Alabama fans are certainly familiar with, uh, wide receiver Xavier Worthy. Uh he is uh Worthy is a legit star. Uh he's one of those uh he, he's one of those guys that I, I sort of love him and hate him because uh we really thought we were gonna get him at Alabama. And uh I thought that our inside, this is a, this is um where my head was at the time. I thought Alabama's inside track to getting Xavier worthy was that we had Sarkeesian as our offensive coordinator, and he had just done what he did with Devonta Smith. And I said, why would you go anywhere else and not play, you know, for this head coach? And then he's playing for that head coach just. Uh, <laughs> It's <laughs> just in just in uh uh you know, just in Texas. Uh talk to us a little bit about uh Xavier. Uh what a treat he is uh for you guys.
1: Absolutely. I mean, absolutely electric player. I feel like and I don't know if national media kind of caught on to this, but at at, towards the end of last year, Texas fans were a little bit disgruntled with uh Xavier Worthy. He, he was he was dropping a lot of balls, you know, it seemed like that his attitude was Not in the right spot, which I think is pretty subjective, in my opinion. Let the kid be a kid, but a lot of people just thought that his answers to questions to media was very short, very, like, people thought that he would go into the transfer portal after last year. Obviously, he ends up staying, and he starts off with a bang. Week one absolutely was the dominating uh, factor in the entire offense, really. Quinn Ewer's that was his go-to guy the entire day, so I feel like Xavier Worthy is going to be absolutely an electric factory all season long. Last year, he kind of got pigeonholed into a role that, in my opinion, didn't really suit him all that well. He was used a lot as a deep threat, which he's really fast, so I, I understand that, but where he actually shined as a freshman was yards after the catch and kind of getting his ball, getting the ball in his hands quickly yeah. and letting him do his thing with the ball in his hands. He also returns punts for Texas as well. I have a feeling that's something Sark kind of took over from Nick Saban's tree where you let your stars return the punts because they're really good at it. It's a little frustrating though. Um, (laughs) share A little frustrating to see your star uh, out there for, for punts, but either way, Xavier worthy, absolutely electric. Um, And I feel like, with the addition of A.D. Mitchell and Isaiah Nair coming back from injury, there's a little bit more options for deep and intermediate threats. So Xavier Worthy can really just do what he does best, and that's get the ball in his hands quickly and often.
0: Yeah, sometimes you need two or three wide receivers to maximize the one, uh, to maximize yeah. the, the top guy. Talk about uh, tight end uh, uh, Jatavion uh, Sanders. He had a big day, two catches, 44 yards, and a, and a touchdown touchdown. Uh, against rice on saturday what kind of role do you see the tight end play in the texas offense
1: yeah so tavian sanders incredible athlete he came into texas he was listed as an athlete top 15 player in the in the class and people thought that he would be an edge but he actually stays he actually moves in from tight end he was a wide receiver in high school so he moves into tight end he takes a full red shirt just to learn how to play the tight end position with jeff banks who I know Alabama fans know as well and what he brings to the table is basically a fourth or fifth wide receiver depending on the personnel he is an incredible mismatch he really attacks the seams well um that's kind of what Steve Sarkeesian uses him as the most but you'll also see him being used with with screens um I'm surprised they actually haven't just given him the ball like they like Georgia does Brock Bowers, but I feel like you're talking about that level of an athlete. When you talk about Jatavion Sanders as a blocker, he's average, he's adequate. He's just good enough to kind of play in line. Um, definitely not a huge factor in the run game, but overall, I just think super athlete mismatch wide should be a wide receiver, but he's playing the tight end position. So really solid player and I feel like Texas is number 2 threat in this offense.
0: You know, I want to I want to take a left turn off the field. Uh we're talking about Texas wide receivers and and uh and and tight ends and uh maybe the tabloid sponsored section of uh of the interview inquiry minds want to know what was sort of the Texas uh thought process with uh one uh, uh Jahil uh, Billingsley and uh Hall.
1: Yeah, I feel like um both of them as soon as they committed, I feel like every Texas fan was incredibly excited because they knew that they had basically two lottery tickets for free. Both Alabama fans know incredibly talented, like some of the most talented, uh, probably pass catchers Texas had uh, at the time. Ajay Hall never really saw the field for Texas. Honestly, it. Almost I, I want to say in his first month he had uh his car towed. And at that moment, obviously it's not a very big deal. I'm sure we've all gone through that, but it was almost like, you know, telling the future of what Ajay Hall was gonna bring to Texas. And I didn't really hear anything terrible about either of them. Texas kind of tends to keep things in-house. So whatever Hall or Billingsley did to you know, wear out their welcome it at Austin. Um, I personally don't know and I'm not sure it was reported anywhere, but both of them incredibly talented. It's a shame. Uh yeah. to my knowledge, neither of them are anywhere right now. So absolute shame for how talented they both were. But uh yeah, I I just feel like for Texas fans, it was kind of a free lottery ticket, like I said, just Ajay Hall was getting Julio Jones comparisons. Uh, in one of the springs that when he was at Alabama, and all yeah. Texas fans were on that. And J- Jaleel Billingsley, kind of the same thing, was kind of this wide receiver who, in a tight end body, could stretch the defense in every which way, and super exciting. But obviously, neither of them really worked out for Texas. But I do respect that Steve Sarkeesian is giving these players second chances. Yes, as he himself was given a second chance from Nick Saban. So, I do like that he's kind of paying it forward in that aspect. And if it doesn't work out, so be it. But I will never, uh, never kind of dissuade or, or dismiss Steve Sarkeesian for giving these guys second chances and kind of giving them one more shot to be, uh, pro athletes, basically.
0: I, I 100% agree with that. And certainly he and the other coaches, uh, that, that went with Sark to, to Texas had some familiarity with, uh, uh, with those <laughs> young men. And so it was a calculated, I, I hesitate to even say gamble, but it was a calculated, you know, thought process, a decision. They weren't just bringing in someone from just anywhere. Uh, they had uh, certainly some familiarity. And uh, and if you hit on, you know, you said Julio, I, sometimes I think uh, Amari Cooper, but you don't go wrong with either of those. And, <laughs> uh, uh, and, and O.J. Howard was sort of the cop yeah. that a lot of our fans use for, for Billingsley. And if you hit on both of those, you know, with Xavier worthy. And that's, that's a talented, uh, offensive scheme. And, uh, certainly if he hit one of them on one of them, and, and it is disappointing for, for both of the young men, the talent that they had and, and sort of the, the, the checks that they could cash on Sundays if, if they would allow themselves to to play right on Saturday. So, uh, no, that's interesting. wanted to get just your, your, your take on, uh, your take on those guys. Uh, I'm going to talk about another Alabama transfer when we move to the, uh, the running back, uh, position, but on Saturday, it looked like Jaden Blue and Jonathan Brooks uh, nearly had identical stat lines. Uh, are they the the top two running backs? Is there another back? I saw our lads had uh, a depth chart with another back, uh, a freshman back, uh, sort of in the mix. Uh, what, what should Alabama fans expect from uh, the offensive backfield?
1: Yeah, so I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, Cedric Baxter, mm-hmm. the true freshman that you alluded to, he was the number one running back in last year's class, he, incredible talent from Florida to Shard Choice, maybe one of the best running back coaches in college football right now, especially from a recruiting standpoint. Um, but anyways, uh, Cedric Baxter did get the start last week. He did hurt his shoulder in the first half of the, though. So I still don't know if he's going to be good to go for Alabama. But with Jonathan Brooks and Jadon Blue, both are incredibly talented in their own right. And like you mentioned, they both had almost identical stat lines. I don't think you could go wrong with either one. And I think we'll see both of them in the Alabama game pretty heavily. One thing I'll say about Jonathan Brooks is he had some really bad pass protection reps. So I think that might open the door for Jadon Blue, or you alluded to him as well, but maybe Keelan Robinson getting more third down reps. If either of them are maybe a little bit better in pass protection, um that's just definitely something to note but Jonathan Brooks is definitely more of your power kind of runner between the tackles um every time he runs he just looks like he's a violent human being right. where down blue is a little bit more shifty um definitely has some power to him but a little bit on the shorter side five foot eight five foot nine um with just incredible burst and uh if you want I can get into Keelan Robinson or
0: yeah, talk about Keelan. He's one of my favorite running backs that never really – I mean, he played some at Alabama, but just mm-hmm. there's a logjam ahead of him, and, and he ended up transferring. The year that he's, – he's one of the players that – and so I want to hear, you know, sort of the Texas take on him. From an Alabama perspective, from my perspective, he's one of those guys that, oh, if he had just stayed a little bit longer. Uh, the year after he transferred – uh, Alabama had just a run of uh, injuries at the running back position, and we ended up bringing over a, a wide receiver and a linebacker uh, just so we would have some depth at the running back position. And a player like Keelan, the way that he had already demonstrated a capability, he would have been right in the mix and and uh, and and been a go-to player for us. And so I feel like, oh, he just star-crossed him a little bit, and then he goes to Texas and there's Bijan Robinson, and now there's these younger guys that may be sort of edging him out, and, uh, mm-hmm. there's a part of me that sort of hurts for, for him and, and a way the other guys were out there, welcome Keelan left, you know, presumably for other reasons and just, you know, has, haven't, hasn't found the field in Texas. Talk, talk to us about that.
1: Yeah. So Keelan Robinson's kind of an interesting one for Texas, because like you said, he came in at Alabama. He was just a pure running back, but as he's been with Texas, he has transitioned into this, I call it a wingback personally, but. It's kind of like a Debo Samuel for the 49ers or a player like that where, honestly, he gets most of his snaps in the slot, actually. And Steve Sarkeesian will kind of motion him either in a yo-yo where he comes to the quarterback, then bursts out into the flat again or a complete end around. And um, honestly, Keelan Robinson plays that position incredibly well, and it's one that Texas is actually going to keep when keelan robinson does leave they just uh transitioned one wide receiver Savion red true freshman last year they transitioned him to the running back room presumably to take over that spot when keelan robinson leaves so although keelan robinson isn't actually a top three running back for texas he is one of kind of a, almost a starter for Texas in certain personnel formations. And he does see the field a decent amount. He just doesn't really get the ball as much as uh, these other guys do, but his pure speed is just something that defenses have to respect. Um, another thing with Keelan Robinson's development is coming in, he could not catch the ball. He, he, he had stone hands, uh, stats kind of back it up. He had any pass he had, thrown to him over the line of scrimmage was dropped. And there were nine of them in one season, whereas now he's a legitimate threat as a receiver. So
0: okay.
1: yeah, I, I think we will, I think you will see some Keelan Robinson against Alabama uh, definitely in, in, in spurts, but yeah, I feel like he kind of shares the field with those other three kind of in tandem. You just wouldn't notice him as much if, if, you're not looking at the at the slot position yeah. specifically.
0: Yeah, that's fun to watch. He's definitely a player I want to keep an eye on, and so we'll definitely look for uh, look for Keelan on Saturday. Uh, talk about the offensive line. What I've seen again, a little bit of remove, uh, sort of mixed reports. They're huge. They're monstrous. Uh, maybe not all the reports were super excited uh, coming out of the Rice game. What's your take on uh, Texas offensive line?
1: Yeah. Heading into the season, I thought this offensive line could be the difference maker for Texas in terms of becoming a true national title contender or, you know, close to it, top 10 team end of the season after the rice game. I just have those doubts now because they struggled. They didn't get a great push on the ball. You have star left tackle, Kelvin banks and on the opposite side of him is sixth year uh senior Christian Jones. Those are incredible bookends. I it's tough to get better than those two have been for Texas and on the inside however, Jake Majors is our center. He is definitely kind of the the rock for this for this team, but he's just not physically there. He's he he can't really push Uh, In the run game a whole lot. Hayden Connor is kind of that same way. It's his second year as a starter. Um, DJ Campbell is the right guard. He is the five-star. He was higher ranked than Kelvin Banks actually coming in. He's a true sophomore. And uh, he had some struggles in pass protection, just kind of with stunts. um, That entire right side and center with Jake Majors. They had trouble dealing with stunts in the rice game. And that's something that honestly with film study can get better. I don't know if it can get better though, in uh, a week's time against I gonna, Alabama.
0: I know it was going to be my question. How much of that is, uh, do you think fixable, uh, you know, between first game and second game?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, here's the thing. DJ Campbell definitely could improve on this, but I think Steve Sarkeesian needs to, almost help him over help him in this aspect. And that might be just bringing in Jonathan Brooks, Cedric Baxter, Jadon blue somebody in the backfield strictly in pass protection on okay. passing down. Just don't use them as receivers at all. And kind of give DJ Campbell that kind of crutch almost Uh something else. We saw that Texas did a lot in the Alabama game. And then after that in the 2002 season or 2012 season um, is bringing a sixth offensive lineman. So if they do that, I assume it will be a Nito Umiyazulu, who is another highly ranked guy sophomore. Um, if they bring him in, you can kind of let Christian Jones help DJ Campbell and let Nito play that right tackle position, quote unquote as your sixth offensive lineman. So there are fixes to this. They're not going to be, you can't do that every single play on offense, but it's definitely something that Steve Sarkeesian can rotate in to kind of help DJ Campbell, because although Texas returned all five starters along the offensive line, DJ Campbell was not one of them last year. He actually um, was hurt in the spring of 2022 Cole Hudson, another true freshman, actually won that right guard spot, and he never gave it up. Um, This spring, DJ Campbell did end up beating him out. A couple injuries helped him as well, but um, DJ Campbell just doesn't really have that starter's experience yet. So like I said, I feel like another week of film study and Steve Sarkeesian now knowing his team's flaws, he can adjust to that because I do feel like Steve Sarkeesian is one of the best offensive minds in terms of adjustments week in and week out where I feel like he does have trouble for Texas is in game and after halftime. Um, he did it well at Alabama as an offensive coordinator, but as a head coach, I just feel like there's too much on his plate Yeah, and that was a huge problem for him in, uh, last season. So this season, I'm kind of curious to see how halftime adjustments are going to go for him. Texas played much better in the second half in week one, but it's also Rice. So can't really pull a whole lot from it. I'm going to pull a whole lot more against Alabama, especially if Alabama kind of punches Texas in the mouth defensively, because you can tell me, but I'm pretty sure they have a really, really good defense coming up.
0: No, uh, you know, the Alabama defense uh is something uh, you know, we changed defensive coordinators, fans were super excited about that. Bring about Kevin Steele, who's had uh two tours of duty uh at Alabama under Saban before. And uh the expectations for the all offseason, you know, back into the spring was he's gonna simplify the defense. He's gonna simplify the defense. And there's not gonna be a lot of guys looking around like what are we doing on this play just before the snap. Uh, But people are going to be lined up and, you know, go ball, get, you know, see ball, get ball. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and that, you know, again, it was MTSU, but that manifest, uh, there weren't a lot of uh, pre-stamp penalties, there weren't uh, a lot of, you know, just confusion, you know, shoulder shrugs before the snap, Uh, uh, the defenders were lined up and they played aggressive uh, they seem to play just more comfortable being on the field, and uh, and so hopefully that's something that can uh, they can even build from from last week. So so you're right that is uh, that is something Alabama's trending uh, in a way that uh, it, our fans are super excited about, and certainly something that, that Sark and, and uh, Brain Trust at Texas will will have an eye on. So that'll be an interesting uh, you know we sort of talk through teams and and like ah oh, that's going to be a key matchup. Well, that may be you know the offensive line and and uh, you're talking about you know one of the interior uh guys you know we could see some stunts uh at that position that it'll be interesting to see the chess match uh that we see uh, across the offensive line so that's interesting you know last year in in uh, austin you guys ate us up in the a gaps and uh that was a big thing uh we we struggled mightily with the a gaps and after the texas game last year we rotated out one of the starting guards and and we rotated out uh, a starting center and, uh, and so, you know, we changed, you know, what's that 40% of the offensive line, you know, after that game. And it took even a couple more uh, games for that group to gel, but they did and, and went on and, you know, did what they did last year. So it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, how that matchup uh, plays. Uh, I hope that we play better uh, across the eight gaps. And, and if that's an opportunity or, or you know, for us to, to do some stunts or, or whatnot, that's, that's going to be a fun thing to watch. It really, uh, it really will
1: what's so special
0: about hero breads? soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and
1: are high in fiber to support gut health shop now at hero.co catch those springtime vibes all over arizona break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.
0: Let's flip the field and uh, and talk uh, Texas defense. Uh, I feel like this is one of the units Uh, Again, the reports, preseason reports, this is maybe one of the units where uh, Texas has has made significant strides. Talk to us sort of, you know, high level and then then we can drill into it. You know, what does Texas run most of the time? Is it a 3-4, a 4-3, or is it some 3-3-5, you know, with a a nickel in the back? Uh, What do you you typically see from Texas uh, or what Alabama fans expect?
1: Right. I figured this would be a question and I was trying to figure out what I was going to say here because... Pete honestly runs base nickel is, is the best way to put it. Always has five DBs on the field. But as for the front, um, the front six in quotations, the front six changes almost constantly. Um, I feel like at the very base of it, it's going to be two true defensive linemen, two outside linebackers that are mostly edge rushers or pass rushers, however you want to designate those guys and then two off-ball linebackers. But consistently throughout the game, depending on matchups or how it's going, he will throw in three defensive linemen, um, one edge rusher, and then he'll throw in maybe three full off-ball linebackers at times um, with three defensive linemen, keep it a real 3-3 stack. It kind of just depends on how – the defensive line is performing as run blockers because Pete Kwiatkowski, what he wants to do defensively is, and I feel like Georgia kind of does this as well um, just to a much, much higher extent is stop teams from running the ball with as little front seven players as possible. Georgia's able to do it with probably four defensive linemen. I feel like Texas is really close to that mark as well. I feel like against Rice, It's a little bit easier, but against Rice, the defensive line basically did the heavy lifting for the run defense, and the linebackers were just there to kind of clean up um, and kind of you know continue to stop them. But the defensive line was were the true kind of heroes of that of that defense in week one, and I feel like it's going to be the same here on after. Obviously, Alabama's offensive line is probably one of the best they've had in a little bit now from kind of what I've been catching. Um, So it's going to be a true test for guys like Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, Alfred Collins. These are are our top three defensive linemen. I feel like you could see them three play almost right off the bat with one edge, edge rusher and Baron Sorrell as well. Who's a little bit more of a speed rusher, but absolutely not a pushover in the run game as well with two linebackers, Jalen Ford, who probably should have been defensive player of the year last year uh, in the Big 12. And he's already has an interception this season. He's probably going to be in the running for it again this year. And other linebacker, David Benda, who struggles as a pass coverage player, but in run defense, very stout. Uh, First year starting, but against Rice, he really showed that he's, a strong force in the run game and as a occasional pass
0: rusher. I like the way, uh, there's a couple directions I want to go from that. Uh, You know, watching the Texas Rice game, there was one point in the game, the announcers, uh, it was before halftime, and the commentators, uh, you know, made the statement that, that Texas has already rotated through 12 defensive linemen. And I had to sit down so I could then fall out of my chair because, that's pretty darn amazing. And Sweat goes about what, 360? Uh, there's some there's some big old boys. They definitely do the heavy lifting there across uh, the defensive front. Alabama's offensive front uh, is, is better than it has been. It's a pretty big group. Uh, so that's going to be another one of those matchups uh, that's going to be uh, fun to watch. And I like the way you talked about uh, the, the alignment. Alabama bases from a nickel, too. And as you got going, it's kind of like I know where you're going. I want to hear how you explain it because we do some very similar stuff. Uh, Alabama bases from a nickel, and uh, and if we say that we're a 3-4. And when you know when you base from a nickel, somebody's got to come from somewhere. And uh, we'll sometimes do a 3-3, three, three, uh, not as often as I'd like. Uh, more often, we'll take a lineman off, uh, a defensive lineman. But we've got the two outside linebackers that we walk up to ends. And so it's a 2-4 that looks like a 4-2. Uh, but when you talk about the size of the players, and then on on, on – we did it? against uh mtsu last week early in the game and i've seen it other instances too where we'll go to a dime uh and we'll take another defensive lineman off and we're playing 60 b's and one defensive lineman and i get real nervous when we do that i mean sometimes <laughs> you got to have a 300 pound you know yeah. got a guy like I, mean, you've this. Got you.
1: I feel like he takes up a couple gaps so <laughs> yes,
0: you're right <laughs> So sometimes I feel like you got to have a, a a big body up there. So, uh, you know, so that was, that was, uh, uh, that was interesting, you know, talk about the secondary. Uh, I was looking, uh, you know, following the transfer portal uh, uh, Jalen Catalan from uh, Arkansas uh, transferred over and I said, man, that's a really savvy pickup, you know, for Texas. I didn't see him in the stat sheet and uh, watching the game. I didn't necessarily uh, hear his name a lot. Did did he play? Was he injured? Is he in the rotation? Uh, talk about the secondary and, and maybe maybe uh, Catalan as well.
1: Yeah, um, I'll start with Catalan and then move on. But Catalan did play. He was uh, named as a starter. But like you said, with the defensive lineman, same goes with the secondary. Texas rotated a total of 28 players over, with over uh, 10 snaps each player. Wow. So. And only a 52 possible snaps. So as you could tell, there was a lot of rotation going on um, in this Texas defense. I don't think a lot will change against Alabama, but it didn't help that it was 120 degrees on the field at that Rice game at two o'clock. So I feel like that's why we saw so much rotation. And you're right. Catalan didn't make so much of an impact against Rice, but Rice wasn't able to push the ball downfield at all against Texas. So Catalan was playing mostly as a back-end free safety. He would come into the box slightly, but for the most part, the defensive backs and our nickelback uh, Jody Barron, who is absolutely incredible in my opinion, they kind of cleaned up the pass coverage all by themselves. They didn't really need any safety help and not a whole lot of the safeties had their name called at all anyways. So, I'm still excited about Catalan. Uh, We talked about second chances. Catalan's a little different. His is a second chance because of injury. Uh, He's just had so many medical hardships in his career. But Texas kind of, again, taking lottery tickets like Jalen Catalan, who um, I'm not sure if he won all SEC player, but I know he's talked about as an all SEC defensive back. So. Either way, you just know he's an incredibly talented player, and I just love that Steve Sarkeesian is taking a shot at him, even though we do have a pretty talented defensive back backroom, um, so we didn't necessarily need a, him. He wasn't necessarily the missing piece to this Texas defense, but if you got him, use him. So I am excited to see him. Um, talking about the cornerbacks a little bit, unless you want to uh, interject Go a little it. bit. And, Go for it. Yeah, so the cornerbacks – Like I said, they rotated a lot. And we saw Ryan Watts and Terrence Brooks get the starts there. Ryan Watts is strictly a field or a boundary corner, I should say. So anytime the ball is on one of the hash marks, uh, Ryan Watts is going to be on the receiver on that hash mark. Texas does not rotate their DBs. They will flip them only for boundary and field side. So Ryan Watts... a little bit less athletic than the rest of the DBs, which isn't a knock on him. More so, just kind of the way he is. It's six foot three, two hundred pounds. Yeah. Um, he's just one of those kind of press man corners that you want on the boundary side. On the other side, Terrence Brooks got the start a lot more athletic, a top uh, one hundred and fifty uh, recruit last year. Now he's in the sophomore season, really, really talented, and he's going to be the starting field corner against Alabama, but they're going to rotate in another transfer portal addition in Gavin Holmes. He played at Wake Forest previously. He played really, really well. I'm not sure where he ranked in the transfer portal rankings, if anybody follows the 24-7 transfer portal rankings, but I know he was pretty high, super athletic guy. Um, He provides really good depth for Texas. And then the final uh, outside cornerback that, Alabama will likely see is Malik Muhammad. Again, another four-star player, top 75 player in this past cycle. Um, so he's a true freshman, but he's already kind of made a name for himself uh, at Texas. And he's going to back up Ryan Watts in that boundary corner spot, but he can play field corner as well um, if if they need him to. So he's incredibly athletic. So those are kind of your top four Defensive backs on the boundary. As for the slot guys, I alluded to him, but Jade Barron, he is almost as good as a linebacker in run defense. He is a tackling machine. His instincts are just incredible. Any screen, any throw to the flat, any crosser going across his face, he's going to make the tackle with almost zero yards after catch for the receiver. So really, really impressive. And him being that way allows Pete Kwiatkowski to play the off coverage that he wants to play because I mentioned Pete Kwiatkowski wanting to negate the run game with as little front seven players as possible. He also wants to negate deep passing plays as much as possible, which kind of work hand in hand together. Uh, Obviously the less you have to worry about the run game, the more you can worry about underneath and deep coverage. So the way Jaday Barron plays kind of allows Texas to play in a base nickel with almost still having a kind of linebacker esque player. Maybe he's not as good against offensive linemen, but in the open field, I feel really good about taking Jaday Barron over anybody else in the country.
0: That's going to be, uh, you know, therein lies a, a, another, you know, I think critical matchup, you know, the Texas secondary. Alabama receivers, uh, probably a weak position group, uh, you know, for us. They, uh, a lot of drops in fall camp, a lot of drops in and and uh, spring, uh, our spring game. Last week, uh, I think we played relatively clean and, uh, mm-hmm. and super excited about Jalen Milro and what he was able to do uh, against Saturday. There were maybe components there that I wasn't fully expecting, uh, him to deliver and so it's going to be interesting there's a lot of excited alabama fans but also a little bit nervous can he do that again uh against this type of opponent so uh you know so that's going to be an interesting matchup to watch uh you know i ask this question sometimes and depending upon who we're playing it's more of a mystical question. Uh, it's a little more you know uh, ifs and, and hopes. Uh, with Texas, this is a legit uh, you know this is going to be an incredible matchup. Uh, you know, two power teams. Uh, if uh, Texas comes into Tuscaloosa and uh, is able to pull out, uh, pull out the win, uh, what's a couple of three things that needs to happen? It needs to be true uh, for Texas to to walk out with a with a win.
1: Yeah, I absolutely love this question. I think the easiest number one is Quinn Ewers. Yeah, if he plays the way he did against Alabama last year, um, in that first quarter, I think Texas has a really good shot of pulling it off in Tuscaloosa. Just the elite playmaking ability he brought with his arm was incredible, and something quite honestly we haven't seen since then. Almost we saw it in flashes. Throughout the season and even week one, but not consistently, not like we did in that first quarter against Alabama last year. So if Quinn Ewers gets back to that level of play, I feel like Texas has a really good shot. I think number two here is going to be the offensive line, which again, we already talked about, but Alabama has Jaheim Otis up the middle and I mentioned that Texas's biggest weakness is the interior and Jake Majors is definitely the leader of this offensive line but he is not the strongest he's not the most talented of the offensive linemen so I think to combat that you do have to kind of trust that DJ Campbell the guy that I talked about having so many struggles uh last year or last week in week one he is a guy who is physically talented enough to maybe not go one-on-one with Jaheim Otis, but him and Jake Majors might be able to duo block Jaheim Otis and kind of start there and work their way outward. I know Alabama has talented edge rushers and Chris Braswell and Dallas Turner as well, but I do feel really good about Calvin Banks and Christian Jones and Alabama is going to win some of those matchups, no doubt about it, but I do feel like that those two can, consistently hold their own enough for the offense to still kind of work, um, in an RPO heavy offense. where you're kind of getting the ball out in under three seconds consistently anyways, otherwise you're blocking downfield and it's a penalty. So you do have to get the ball out in those RPO, uh, plays anyways. So number three, I feel like is going to be Jalen Milrow and his running ability. Um you can kind of speak on that a little bit uh just so I can get a feel. Um but Jalen Milrow is an incredible athlete am I wrong?
0: No, oh absolutely not he he is uh there hasn't been many football fields that he's been on uh where he hasn't been the most talented uh just mm-hmm. raw athlete uh on the field and that carries over you know to to Saturdays uh in Tuscaloosa uh, you know, Alabama has some talent, but uh, uh, he might be the fastest player on the team uh, and he might be uh, certainly one of the more dynamic players on the team when he gets a, the ball in his hand. I think, you know, uh, and, and, you know, coaches recruit, you know, athletes, uh, not necessarily to put them at quarterback. Uh, they hope that they can find a, another home for him and you recruit quarterbacks to play quarterback. And uh, but uh, if you have a, a true a talent and they want to give it a go, a lot of coaches will let them do it. And that's uh that's kind of where uh that's kind of where Milro is. I think that he was recruited. Man, we got to get this guy on the team and we'll find a place for him. And uh he sort of persisted at, at wanting to be a quarterback. And so uh, you know, we've given him that that opportunity. I think he could be dynamic at an H back. I think he could be dynamic uh as is just a straight running back, but uh but he demonstrated on Saturday that Uh, He's improved his passing game uh, a little bit. And if he can be – he's not going to be, you know, Tua passing the ball. He's just not going to be that. uh, But he's going to be something else, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, running the ball. And so if he can raise his um, – in the passing game, if he can raise his floor just a little bit, he brings a lot to the other side of uh, uh other side of the table. So yeah, he's gonna be uh, an incredible incredibly talented uh running back. Uh there's a broken play. We saw that uh Saturday. It was a bad snap that led to his first touchdown because he just picked it up off the ground. A lot of times I just say, go down, go down, don't risk the ball. But uh, you know, he he ran uh ran it for a touchdown. Uh so he's gonna have a lot of those oh no, oh yes kind of plays. And uh I suspect Saturday there Will be more designed runs, uh, for him. I don't think there were a whole lot uh, of those Saturday against MTCU. I don't think it was needed, uh, but I think there'll be a lot more, uh, not a lot, but there'll be some designed runs, uh, maybe some naked boots, uh, or, or something. Get him one on one, uh, sort of in the flat and see if he can't make a play. I, I think that's going to sort of be integrated into the game plan. He's certainly going to be a player to watch,
1: yeah. And I mean. Before I before I hit on, on my third point, Tommy Reese is kind of a guy, an offensive coordinator who he wants to run the ball. He wants yes. to yes. be a hard-nosed, kind of what I feel like Alabama is turning into, whether they wanted to or not. And I think they kind of did. I think yeah. Saban yeah. saw it yeah.
0: intentionally. I think Saban saw what Georgia did. He saw what Kirby Smart did, and he's he like, oh, I can win like that. Yeah, he's winning like <laughs> I want to win.
1: That's right exactly yeah it was almost some jealousy in it and yes um yeah I feel like Tommy Reese is almost the perfect offensive coordinator for that kind of play and it's something that I don't know if Alabama fans were super excited about Tommy Reese you can speak on that a little bit but I would be super excited just because of he's still such a young offensive play caller that he can still learn a lot and he can still develop but the base of what he did at Notre Dame is honestly pretty impressive for how bad that Notre Dame was in terms of talent. They had a really good offensive line and not a whole lot else. And he kind of made a chicken salad anyways. So really, really like the Tommy Reese hire, but back to, uh, back to Milrow and my third point, I feel like if Texas is going to pull out a win in Tuscaloosa, they're going to have to stop Milrow consistently as a runner he cannot be breaking off 50 yard runs no explosive plays as a runner and especially not and this is what killed texas last year on third down texas really struggled in third and fourth down situations against rushing quarterbacks just something about it um and i feel like somebody who could stop them there and i failed to mention him already is anthony hill five-star linebacker He's drawn comparisons to Harold Perkins already. Um, Like, really, really impressive stuff if you're getting compared to a guy like that. The way LSU used Harold Perkins against Florida State is how I want uh, Texas and Pete Wachowski to use Anthony Hill against Milroy. Just basically have him in an underneath zone near the line of scrimmage, but he's really just a quarterback spy. Yeah. He is there. If Jalen Milrow even thinks about running, Anthony Hill clicks and closes on the ball carrier there. So Anthony Hill, like I said, former five-star, true freshman, but incredibly talented. Um, I'm sure Milroe is a better athlete, but hopefully Anthony Hill will have a little bit more instincts yeah. and be able to stop him. And you know, if he can't, or if David Benda gets that, um kind of designation and it doesn't work i feel like it's gonna be a long day for this texas defense even though i think this texas defense is probably their it's by far better than their offense if you had to rate them um and i feel like it's a defense that could probably single handedly win about eight games in a big 12 schedule so really good defense but i think the deciding factor is going to be Milrow
0: and his running ability. It truly is. I mean, not to you know be cliche, but it truly is an X factor. Uh, yeah. I, I I would say this with more sort of vigor a week ago. Uh, but if you can force Alabama to try to beat you with Milrow's arm, then mm-hmm. that's what you want to do uh, from a defensive yeah. standpoint. Now he proved uh, Milrow did Saturday that hey, there might be something there. Certainly more than like I said, more than I would have. Uh, that I was giving him credit for, and so I'm pleased to see that develop. But uh, yeah, if you can take his legs, you know, sort of off the table and uh, force him to, to beat you pa- uh, passing, I like the odds of that as an approach. So, uh, so that'll be uh, that'll be an interesting, uh, again, sort of the chess match, you know, within the game. Talk about, uh, you know, Ryan. Talk about uh, Texas Talk podcast. Where can our folks find you? Uh, I know that under uh, we have a lot of fans. They'd like to, you know, check out the opponent sort of up close. Listen, certainly these interviews. Uh, maybe check out their podcast. Maybe check out, you know, the post game. What other people say, you know, about Alabama post game. Everybody wonders what you say about them, right? And so, uh, tell uh, tell tell our fans where uh, where they can find you and your content.
1: Yeah, just uh, search Texas Talk on basically anywhere you get your podcast from. You'll see we have a little bubble that has Texas talk logo on it on uh, X or Twitter. You can find me personally at Ryan McAloon. That's R Y a N M C A L O O N. I'll also be retweeting this as soon as it gets uh, broadcasted. So you'll be able to find me there pretty easily. Um, I post a ton of Texas stuff, but I'm also just a huge college football fan in general. So I will be posting about other games as well. So even if you just drop a follow for that specifically and, once you find that page, you'll be able to find Texas Talk on X and Twitter pretty easily as well. So appreciate the shout-out there though.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Listeners, you got to check out Ryan. You got to check out Texas Talk Podcast. Ryan, thanks for coming on. It's a phenomenal football discussion. Uh, we appreciate you having on tonight.
1: Oh man, I absolutely love chopping it up. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, fantastic. All right. Thanks, everyone. And we're back. What did I tell you? That was a lot of fun. Ryan. Uh, certainly knows and loves uh, his Texas Longhorns and uh, certainly enjoys uh, talking football, uh, as do I. And it just was a really fun uh, conversation, a uh, really good discussion, and certainly hope uh, that you enjoyed it. Check him out at uh, Texas uh, Talk Podcast. Uh, he'll definitely do a post game. And so it'll be interesting to see uh, however the game unfolds, how they break down the game and sort of uh Ryan's perspective on Alabama uh, from the game. Uh, sometimes you can learn a lot about yourself in understanding what other people uh, have to say, uh, good, bad, or indifferent, uh and after a win certainly we hope after a win potentially uh we'll see it's going to be a tough matchup uh but it's going to be uh, a great deal of fun and uh we hope that uh, you enjoy the interview uh you'll tune into the post game and uh tune into a future podcast as well uh give us a uh, five star shout out review on iTunes we gr- greatly appreciate it it helps people find us and if you're at all interested in joining the support team and to get all of our uh content early uh as well as some bonus uh content as well uh invitations to the uh, virtual tailgates uh as well as uh meetups in tuscaloosa uh check us out at alabama football uh, follow the links to uh, the support team and 30 days free or 45 days free if you if you join the uh uh, trial period if you joined uh, the full year. So definitely well worth it. Check it out. We encourage and invite you to do so. With that said, what do we do? We roll tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama football podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters t-shirts free roster downloads and of course on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie got that coach I- of course roll Tide.